Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. What's up, everybody? Come on, give Jesus some praise if you're glad to be in the house today. Man, I'm so excited to be here. There's a good feeling in the house. It's one of those feelings like anything could happen. And you know, anything can happen because the Lord is here. And where the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Um, We've been singing today about miracles, signs, and wonders. And while we were singing, I really felt impressed uh, to say this. I believe that if you need a miracle from the Lord, today is the day. I'm going to say it again for those that didn't hear it. If you need a miracle from the Lord, today is the day. Today is the day. Don't delay it. Don't wait for it. Believe God, today is the day. I believe there's some folks in here that you are sick in your body and you've been praying God to heal you. Today is the day. There are some marriages that are on the fritz. Today is the day. There are some children that haven't made it back home. Today is the day. Anybody believe that God is still a miracle worker? We've tried to become too practical in modern Christianity. And we've tried to remove the miraculous and the mystery of God. But great is the mystery of God. There's a mystery about him. Because I don't know how he heals cancer, but I know he does. And I don't know how he puts marriages back together, but I know that he does. And I don't know how he fixes issues that no one said could be fixed, but he does. That's the kind of God we serve. One more time, come on, give Jesus some praise. All right, well, it's going to be another one of those, I think. (laughs) I need two or three people that are ready. Grab your Bibles. Let's go to Luke chapter 7, the book of Luke chapter 7. Now, I I do have to tell you, I've been praying about this month, and I've been asking God, all right, God, what are you doing uh, in the life of our church, particularly in this month? Because, you know, July is considered in the... And statistically, the summer slumps, right? Uh, but how many know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And the Bible says that he neither slumbers nor sleeps. And what I really felt impressed about this month is that this is a month of revival. <laughs> and, and some of y'all are like, what's revival? <laughs> Them churchy folks are like, yes! <laughs> But, but, but revival literally just means to revive. It, it means to bring back to a previous state. It means to resuscitate. It means to bring back. It means to, to bring back to a, a, a former status. And revival is all throughout your Bible. Because what ends up happening for many of us that have experienced God is we will experience moments in our life where our faith starts leaking out. How many know that your faith has to be revived every day? 
because there are circumstances and situations that come in your life that will try to rob you of your faith and you gotta have a moment of revival. So I believe that this is a month of revival for many people, for your faith in particular, but this is a month of revival. So I'm gonna preach like it's revival month. <laughs> All right, Luke chapter seven, verse number 18. Let me give you some context here. Jesus has just done a ton of miracles and um, there are some disciples of John who have been watching Jesus do this. And this is where we find ourselves. Luke chapter seven, verse number 18. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And when the men came, had come to him, they said, John the Baptist, <laughs> they wanted to be sure it wasn't them asking the question. <laughs> we just come as messengers. John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? This is how Jesus replied. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits and on many who were blind he bestowed sight and he answered them after he done all the things he said now I can talk to you <laughs> he said now go and tell John what you have seen and heard that the blind receive their sight the lame walk the leopards are cleansed the deaf hear the dead are raised the poor have the good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Oh man, I feel like preaching a little bit today. So my, my topic is gonna come from verse number 22. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. Now I wanna, uh, I want to read this in the KJV because there are two instances of this story and there's one in Luke chapter 7 and then there's one in Matthew chapter 11. So do we have Matthew chapter 11? I want to bring it up in the KJV. Let's see if it's up there or not. If, it, if it's not, it's okay. I can quote it. Jesus says to them, and this is the King James Version, he says, and when John, oh here we, here we go, and Jesus answered and said to them, Here we go. Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. Go and tell John again. This is the New King James Version, but the King James Version says, go and tell John again. That means that John had seen it before. And Jesus has to remind him what you've seen before. I'm still doing. I know that your circumstance doesn't feel like it, but the God I was back then is the same God I am right now. And it's the same God I will be tomorrow. Go and tell John again that I'm still a miracle worker, that I still heal the sick, that I still cause blind eyes to see, that I still cause lame legs to leap. 
So my sermon title for today is Run and Tell That. Run and tell that. God, we thank you so much for allowing us to be in your house. I pray that in the next few moments, you would give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mind to understand what your word would say. Help us to walk out of here different than the way we walked in. Reignite our faith. Help us to have a revival in our hearts and minds. We thank you for what you're getting ready to do in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God's been good to me. All of my life. And if he never does another thing, he's already done enough. Say, neighbor, God has been good to me. It may not look like it, but he sure has been good. Run and tell that. Now somebody give God praise for what he's done in your life thus far. Mm, Run and tell that. There are many things in the Christian faith that we would say is damaging to faith. But perhaps one of the most damaging things within Christianity is a thing called doubt. Now what's interesting is the most damaging thing about doubt is not that Christians doubt but it's that there is very little open conversation around the notion and idea of doubt. Because here's the thing, for many of us who grew up in the church, we grew up with this notion that to doubt is to be carnally minded, to be sinful, to be backslidden. And because we don't wanna be identified as any of these, we end up having a false sense of faith, which is both damaging and detrimental to true faith. You have to understand that everyone that is human will have moments of doubt in their life. But in order for us to really understand what doubt is, we have to distinguish the difference between two words that are used synonymously but are not the same. And those two words are the word doubt and the word unbelief. Now many use these interchangeably, but what you have to understand is unbelief and doubt are not the same thing. Now, they have similar um, expressions, they are cousins, but they are not the same thing. And there's a man by the name of O.S. Guinness who said this, and I wanna read it to you. He says, to believe is to be in one mind about accepting something as true. To disbelieve is to be in one mind about rejecting something. To be in doubt is to, be, is to waver between the two. To doubt is to be in two minds. To doubt literally means to be suspended between two opinions. It means to go back and forth. In other words, uh, the best way I could describe it to you, it's like walking on uh, one of those string drawbridges and you're walking across and you get middle way through to the other side and you have a moment where you wonder, is it safe for me to go forward, but you're also afraid to go back, that is a moment of doubt because now you're suspended between where you came from and where you're going and you're paralyzed by doubt and fear. Doubt is also related very closely to the Greek word anxiousness. Because anxiousness and doubt are similar in that it is a suspense between two points. 
In other words, anxious what, anxiousness, when you experience anxiety, it means that you are worried about the future. You're standing in the present, but you're worried about the future, and when you have anxiety, you are suspended between now and then. And, and the reality is that many people have been dealing with doubt. In fact, uh, there's a great example in the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 18, and this is the story of Elijah. There's been a famine in the land. Elijah's been gone doing who knows what. He comes back, and now he's, he's speaking to Israel. And Israel has been going back and forth between serving God and serving Baal. And so Elijah says, we're about to have a showdown to find out whose God is really real, if it's Baal or if it's the one true God, Jehovah. And so he says, meet me on Mount Carmel, and when we get to Mount Carmel, we're gonna have a showdown. But before the showdown happens, in 1 Kings 18, verse 21, Elijah begins to speak to the people of Israel, and the scripture says, and Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Even the man of God is like, I would rather you pick a side. Either go all in with the devil or go all in with God, but quit straddling the fence. Oh, Lord, that'll preach right there, wouldn't it? I'm not here to preach there, but I, that'll preach right there. He, Elijah says, why are y'all going back and forth? In other words, you can read it this way. How long will you doubt if God is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. Check this out. And the people did not answer him a word because what doubt ends up doing to you, it paralyzes you by fear so that you don't have a response. And many people approach the topic of doubt from a negative connotation. They think of doubt as a negative thing, but here's what you have to understand about doubt. Doubt is really a transitional phase. Because doubt is you being suspended and moving either from unbelief to belief or from belief to unbelief. Doubt is the threshold of the door whether you go in or out. Doubt is the moment that you get to sit there and be suspended between what you know and how you feel. <laughs> what you've been preaching and what you're experiencing. And here's the thing about doubt. Doubt has been in existence in humanity since the very beginning. We can go all the way back. We, you know, we, we love to pick on Thomas, doubting Thomas. <laughs> oh, that old doubting Thomas. But think about Thomas in context. Thomas is a disciple of Jesus, right? He has watched Jesus do miracles, signs, and wonders. He has followed him all of, his, all of his ministry. And then he gets to this point where he sees Jesus in the garden get arrested. Then he sees Jesus being falsely accused in the court. Then he watches as Jesus is beaten with a cat of nine tails and they press a thorn on his, on his, on his brow. And, and, and they see Jesus being accused before Pontius Pilate and Jesus not opening his mouth. Then he watches as they pierce his his hands and his feet with nails on a cross and they suspend him between heaven and earth. Thomas is watching as his side is getting pierced. He's watching as he's, 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 he's bleeding as great drops of blood. He's sweating as great drops of blood. He's watching all of this. He watches them take the body of Jesus down from the cross and put him in a borrowed tomb. Thomas watches a stone get rolled in front of the tomb and, and Roman soldiers standing guard in front of him. 
and he's been sitting there mourning for days, and now somebody comes to him and says, hey, listen, there was an angel that appeared to me, and they said, the one that you seek, he is risen. Why would you not ask for some proof? If I'm Thomas, I'm asking the same question. Let me see some proof that you're just not uh, uh, a doppelganger, that you're just not uh, 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 a person that's, that's coming in and trying to pretend to be Jesus. I need some proof. Every one of us would have done that. If you're in this place and you wouldn't have asked for proof, you are an angel. <laughs> and you better start handing out prophecies. <laughs> but Thomas wasn't the first one to doubt. We can go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. They doubted that what God had for them was good, so they ate of the fruit. We can talk about Abraham and Sarah. They doubted that God was going to provide, so they got together and came up with a scheme, and Abraham slept with Hagar trying to work the miracles of God. They had a moment of doubt. We can talk about Elijah having a moment of doubt that he didn't believe that God could protect him, so he went and hid in a cave. We can talk about that with Gideon. Gideon didn't believe he was the one, so he said, you better give me some proof with this fleece. We can talk about David and all the moments of doubt that he had when he felt like God wasn't with him. We could talk about all these greats in the Bible. They all had moments of doubt. Can I tell you that doubt is not an indictment of your faith. It's an indication of your humanity. Somebody ought to write that down. (laughs) Doubt is not an indictment of your faith. It is proof that you are human. Everyone will deal with doubt. Doubt is a battle between the mind of the spirit and the will of the flesh. Doubt is when you're wrestling between what you heard God say and what you're experiencing right now. Doubt is when you're suspended between what what, what the preacher is preaching and what you experience on Monday morning. (laughs) Doubt is when you're suspended between two things. It's, It's between the prayer and the answer. It's between the promise and the fulfillment. It's between what you heard and what you see. It's between the start and the finish. It's between the vision and the action. It's between the faith and the works. It's between Egypt and the promised land. It's between the application and the callback. Can I get real with you? It's between when you, when, you, when, you, when you have questions and when you get answers. Doubt comes in. It creeps in when you're suspended between what God said he was going to do in your life and what you're experiencing right now. Can I tell you that everybody will deal with doubt? Because doubt happens when your expectations are not met. Doubt happens when you have expectations but your reality doesn't seem the same. Uh, doubt happens when you expect God to be a miracle worker but you're still sick. A doubt comes in when you expect God to provide for you financially, but you still got more bills than you have money. Doubt comes when you believe that God is going to help you find a mate, but you're still single. Doubt happens when you believe that God is going to provide an opportunity for you to get a job, but you're still unemployed. Doubt happens when you're going through what you expect God to do and what's happening really in your life. Doubt comes when what you expect and what you're experiencing doesn't match. And too many people will, will, too many preachers will get up and say, you're not supposed to doubt. Can I tell you, all of us will doubt. And the man that's preaching it doubts that you're listening. (laughs) 
<laughs> I can tell you as a preacher, there are moments when I'm preaching and in the back of my mind, I'm like, I hope. <laughs> can I be honest with you? There are moments when your expectation and your reality don't match and that's where doubt tries to creep in. Can I give you a biblical example? Can we talk about Peter? Peter is with the rest of the disciples. They're in a boat and the boat starts rocking and rolling and they're screaming and they're scared and they look out and they see somebody coming walking on the water and they look at each other and they say it must be a spirit. And they, they're scared because they think it's a ghost. But this one crazy man by the name of Peter looks out and says, I recognize him. I think that's Jesus. So he says, Jesus, if it be thou, bid me to come walk on the water. Now let me tell you something. There is no biblical example in the canon of scripture of anybody walking on water. This is the first of its kind. Jesus is the only one who has ever been recorded walking on water and Peter has no other examples but he is so crazy with his faith that he believes that if Jesus did it, then maybe I can do it. So he says, Jesus, if it really is you, bid me come to walk on the water and Jesus says, come. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'll be like, all right, thank you. <laughs> I got an answer to my prayer. I'm not sure if I'm going out there, though. <laughs> Jesus invited me. <laughs> At least I got the invitation. How many people do that with what we asked for? When God gives us an answer, we're like, thank you, God. I at least got the answer. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it. But I got the answer that I wanted. So, so, so the Bible says that Peter, in his wildness and in his faith, steps out of the, the boat and begins to walk on water. And you know Peter, when you read throughout Peter, you know that Peter is a smart aleck. He's got no control over his tongue. He's arrogant. He thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. So as he's walking on water, you know he's starting to smile and look back at the other guys <laughs> in the boat like, y'all, <laughs> look at me, I'm walking on water. <laughs> And you know, he's looking back and like, man, look at these suckers out here. They're just in a boat. They can't experience it. He's experiencing the miracle. But as he gets halfway to Jesus, somewhere between the boat and Jesus, somewhere between the word and the reality, he starts having a slip in his mind of doubt that what Jesus said is really true. Even though he's literally walking on water, he starts looking at the wind and the sea and the storm around him and his circumstances change his perception of what he know God said to him and what he's experiencing in the moment. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Peter has a moment of doubt and when he does, he starts to sink into his circumstance instead of making his way to the promise. And, and, and for the rest of his life, he's going to have to take the L for that. Because, you know, everybody in the boat was like, that's why we didn't go. <laughs> that's exactly why we didn't go. So he gets, he gets there and he starts to sink. And this is what the Bible says, that Jesus reached down his hand and saved him out of the circumstance. And this was Jesus' reply to you. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So you mean to tell me this miracle was mine? You are going to revoke what you said you're going to do. 
And the only reason why I'm not experiencing what you said belonged to me is because I am suspended between your word and my reality. Instead of putting my full confidence in you, I've allowed my doubt to sink me into the circumstance that I find myself in. Peter experienced doubt because he allowed his circumstances to define what he knew knew was true about what Jesus said. This is where we find John in Luke chapter 7. Because this is not just any John, this is John the Baptist. And in order to understand John the Baptist, you have to go all the way back to our very introduction to John. Because we're introduced to John before he was even born. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is coming to Elizabeth, her cousin, who is the mother of John. And Mary says to Elizabeth, I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, (laughs) would have thrown anybody off. But Elizabeth's like, Holy Ghost, yeah. (laughs) And the scripture says that at, at the mention of the fact that Jesus was in the womb of Mary, that the baby inside of Elizabeth, who wasn't even born yet, who was John the Baptist, leaped. At the sound that before he was even born, he recognized who Jesus was. And then then he's born, and then years later we hear about John the Baptist again. The next time we're introduced to John the Baptist, he's a man who's coming out of the wilderness with camel hair clothing, and he's eating locusts and wild honey, and he's a wild man, but he's preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, And the message that he's preaching is preparing the way for Jesus Christ to do the ministry that he came to do. And John the Baptist is preaching, and he's baptizing, and as he's doing that, he's growing in fame, and people are following him and people are getting baptized and great things are happening and people are repenting and people are are following this this man by the name of John. And right in the midst of John doing all that he's doing, he's baptizing, Jesus comes walking up to him and when he sees Jesus, the Bible says that John looks up and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. And Jesus said, baptize me. John said, I can't baptize you. I can't even take your sandals off. I know who you are. I know that what you came to to do. I've been here doing this ministry work because I'm just trying to prepare the way for you because I baptize with water but the one who comes after me shall baptize you with fire. I'm just here as somebody who's preparing the way. I know who you are Jesus. And John the Baptist's faith is on an all-time high. Why? Because when you're working in the purpose and the calling that God has for you, your faith is at an all-time high. When you got fame and you got recognition, you got people following you and people responding to you, your faith is it is easy to worship God when everything is right in your life. Of course, he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. Look at everybody that's following me. So John is at all-time high with his faith because his circumstances are matching his calling. Until (laughs) Herod Antipas who is a sub-king in Galilee, divorces his wife and unlawfully marries his sister-in-law. And John the Baptist, in his boldness of faith, says, you ain't supposed to be doing that. Because remember, John the Baptist has been bold his whole ministry. He's been telling people to their face, hey, you are vipers. Y'all need to repent. Jesus is coming. Make way for the Messiah. He thought he was bulletproof. So he comes to Herod like, you should not be sleeping with your sister-in-law. 
unlawfully. Herod said, word. He said, word. He said, you're in prison. John said, what? (laughs) Have you ever been there where you get so bold in your faith? You do something and the consequences are very different than what you thought they would be. Can you imagine John who's been preaching? The Bible says that Jesus called John the greatest man to ever walk on the face of the earth. Jesus called John the greatest man to have ever walked on the earth. The greatest man has now been arrested because he spoke against somebody who was doing something unlawful. So now we find John the Baptist imprisoned, awaiting his trial. And and here's the thing, he doesn't know what's going to happen. All he knows is my ministry, my calling, my purpose, my word doesn't match up with where I am. I'm in prison, but I've been preaching that he is a deliverer. (laughs) I'm facing opposition, but I've been preaching that he is the one who is going to give us victory. I've been preaching that he is the one that's going to take away the sins of the whole world. But I am in a world of trouble. I am now imprisoned. I have no way out. I'm shackled. My circumstances do not match my expectation of who I think Jesus is. Can you imagine what John was feeling in that moment while he was in prison, in the darkness of prison? They didn't have lights. They didn't have good food. They didn't have three meals and have a little courtyard and have a basketball. He was in prison. He was shackled by his hands and his feet. And in this moment, he has a moment of doubt. He has a moment elapsed in his faith. He has a moment where he's wondering, is Jesus really the one? In fact, he knows because he's heard about the miracles because his disciples are coming back and telling him, hey, yo, man, Jesus is legit. He's doing all this stuff. And John's been hearing all this, but his circumstance doesn't change. So, so John says, hey, I need you to go ask him. Ask my cousin. roll up to my cousin who hasn't even come visit me and I need you to ask him something. Are you the one that wants to come or shall we look for another? You talk about somebody who's had a lapse of faith. You talk about somebody who's got some doubt right now. He says, are you the one that I've been preaching about or shall I keep looking? Are you the one who is the true living God? Are you the one who is the manifested glory of God in bodily form? Are you the one or shall we look for another? And I love Jesus' response because Jesus doesn't respond with words. He doesn't give him a narrative of who he is. He doesn't start talking about the prophecies. He doesn't give him a sermon. He doesn't give him a passage. He doesn't give him a verbal defense. He doesn't give him a dissertation. He doesn't give him a sermon on the mount. He looks at him. He says, give me one second. And he turns around. He begins to heal the blinded eyes. He begins to unstop deaf ears. He begins to make lame legs leap. He begins to heal those that are filled with leprosy. He begins to raise the dead. He preaches the good news to the poor. Then he looks at the disciples and he says, your doubt cannot be erased by conversation, but the thing that's going to get you back in the faith is demonstrations of power, signs, miracles, and wonders. Can I preach and tell somebody? God is still a miracle worker. 
Jesus said, run and tell them that the blind are still receiving their sight, that the lame legs are still leaping, that the deaf ears are still being unstopped. You need to go run and tell them that I am who I said I am, and I will do what I said I will do. No matter your circumstance, it doesn't change who Jesus is. Somebody needs to revive your faith and recognize that if he did it before, he'll do it again. Man, I feel like preaching a little bit. I want to remind somebody that's dealing with some doubt right now. Maybe you're imprisoned by your own thoughts. Maybe you're imprisoned by your own circumstance. Maybe you're imprisoned by your own, but your own, uh, own feelings about things. And I'm here to preach and tell you that the way to erase doubt is not that it's going to change your circumstance, but you got to go back in your memory bank and think about all the times that God has come through for you. Is there anybody that could testify that you were sick, but God healed your body? Come on, is there anybody that knows what it's like for Jesus to have come through for you when you couldn't come through for yourself? There's somebody in this place that's dealing with doubt. They need some people to testify that God is still a miracle working God, that God will still do the impossible, that God will still exceed your expectations. I come to preach and tell you that Jesus will still do miracles, signs. I know you came to hear three points in a point, but I'm here to preach and tell you somebody is in prison and somebody needs to get out of prison and I'm going to run and tell what Jesus has done in my life. When I couldn't get out, God got me out. When I didn't have a way out, Jesus made a way. When I didn't know how I was going to get through, he moved stuff out of the way. I need somebody to testify here today that God is still working on my behalf. Do I have anybody that can testify? To the goodness of God, to the glory of God, to the miracle working power of God. I need some testimonies in this place. Too many of us forget about what God's done in our life. Too many of us, we won't, we won't go back in the middle. We can think about some negative stuff happening in our life, but too many people forget that when you couldn't do it, God done it for you. When you didn't have a way, God made a way. And you ought to praise God right now for all the times that he came through. So you may be wondering, okay, 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 okay. What, what are you trying to preach? I'm trying to preach this. John had a moment of doubt. And Jesus was not offended by it. Jesus didn't tell the disciples, go back and tell him he made me mad. Jesus said, no, I want you to go back and remind him that what he saw before. I'm still the same one. Some of us, when we go through moments of doubt, we start forgetting what God's done in our life because our circumstance doesn't match with our expectation. But can I tell you, regardless of your circumstance, Jesus still is who he said he is, and he will still do what he said he will do. I still believe, even though I have moments of doubt, I still believe that God is able to do it because I can tell you this, when you're in doubt, words won't do. Am I the only one? Oh, let me testify. I remember one time I was preaching at a church and 
and I, you know, I was reading all this stuff in the Bible about miracle signs and wonders, and, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, um, I read all this stuff in the Bible, and I'm preaching, but I ain't seeing it. So my question is, did it really happen? Oh, y'all don't want honesty, huh? I keep it real. Now I've seen, now here's the funny thing, I've seen God do it, but in that moment, I was like, God, are you still doing it? So the Lord, I felt impressed in prayer, said, you have not because you asked not. So that night I got down and I said, Jesus, tomorrow I need to see a miracle. I want to see a miracle, sign, and wonder that is obviously you. So the next day I go in and I go to, to preach. And I'm sitting there in the middle of worship. And while I'm in the middle of worship, I look down the aisle and I see a guy. He just falls over, boom, into the aisle. And he starts having a seizure. Now, my first reaction was, somebody call a medic right now. And so they're picking up the phone, they're calling a medic. And then right in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you have not because you asked not. So I said, all right, we're going old school. I said, y'all got any of that extra virgin olive oil? Anybody still believe in oil? Some of y'all are like, why are you, what are you about to cook up? I wasn't cooking nothing. But Jesus was getting ready to cook up a miracle. <laughs> so I got that olive oil. I said, bam. And I went back there. I said, y'all, keep calling the paramedics. But while we wait, I took that oil and I put it on his head. And I said, Jesus, I believe right now that there's going to be a miracle that works for this man. And I'm telling you, instantly, I watched that man get up, shake his head like nothing ever happened. And he walked straight down the aisle glorifying God. And when the paramedics showed up, they said, where's the man? We said, he's the one. They said, there's no sign that he has had a stroke, but we're going to take him anyway. They took him to the hospital. They ran every test. And what they found out was nothing because God worked a miracle. Can I tell you that God still works miracles? appreciate doctors, but I know the doctor who's above every doctor. I appreciate applications, but I know a God who'll get me in even if I'm not qualified. We serve a miracle working God, and I'm going to run and tell that. Oh, I wish I had three people that are testifying. I wish somebody would take 30 seconds. If you ever seen God do anything great in your life, according to what he's done in your life. If he's ever made a way, give him praise. If he ever opened a door, give him praise. If he ever healed your body, give him praise. If he's ever healed your mind, give him praise. I still believe he will decimate cancer. I still believe that he'll take away diabetes. I still believe that he can unstop your deaf ears. I still believe that he can heal your eyes. Is there anybody else that believes? Is there anybody else that believes? Is there anybody else that believes? Come on, is there anybody else that believes that God still works with miracles, signs, and wonders? If I wanted just to go to a social club, I'd do it on Friday night. But this is the house of God where anything can happen. If you are sick in your body, you can walk away healed. 
in the name of Jesus. If you're troubled in your mind, you can walk away with peace of mind. In the name of Jesus. I'm not here to play games, y'all. I believe God wants to give somebody a miracle. I believe God wants to give somebody a miracle. What you've been praying for, God's about to answer. I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm just trying to run and tell you and tell you again what God has done before. He will do again. His power is not diminished. And does anybody need a miracle in this place? Let me see your hand. If you need a miracle in your life, I'm not talking about something that you can do by yourself. I'm talking about you've been praying and asking God, God, I've done everything I can do, but now I need you to do what you can do. Come on, is there anybody that needs a miracle in your life? Worship team, I want you to come. This is what we're going to do. We're going to have a moment of miracles. If you need a miracle in your life, I want you to come down. Whatever it is, you need, you need healing in your body, you need God to come through. I, you. you need your marriage put back together, you need your kids back home. Can I tell you that there's nothing wrong with having moments of doubt? We find it throughout the scripture. But it's the will of God for you not to stay there. Because as long as you're suspended in doubt, the miracle can't get to you. Here's what James 1, 6 says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Here's what I love about God. God will allow you to have doubt and make up the difference. Remember the young man who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, can you heal my son? I'd already brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do it. Jesus says to him, do you believe? He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. You're talking about one of the most honest men in the scriptures who will come asking Jesus to come through. And at the same time, Jesus, I'm not sure if you're going to come through. And Jesus recognized the faith that he had and said, I'll make up the difference. I just need you to have some faith. Oh, Lord, I don't know what it is that you need God to do in your life. But this is a moment of revival. This is a moment where God is going to answer. I truly believe that. So if you're in this place, you need something from the Lord. I just want you to raise your hand right now. Father, we come to you right now with open hands, open hearts. And there's some of us, God, that have a moment of doubt right now because our circumstance doesn't match our expectation and we're coming vulnerable and honest before you and we're saying God we need a miracle we need you to come through 
And right in the midst of doubt, I pray, God, that you would remind your people of all the things that you've done thus far in their life. And what you've started, you are going to finish. So right now, God, I pray for everyone that needs a healing in their body. I pray for everyone, God, that needs a marriage restored. I pray for everyone, God, who has a child that needs to come back home. I pray for the mind, God, anyone who's dealing with with issues of the mind, whether it be mental stress or a a mental disorder, I pray that you would heal their mind. I pray right now, God, for that, that child that you've been praying for, that they would come back home. And right now, God, I pray for an unleashing of faith. Now, in your own words, begin to tell God what you need from him. Don't be shy about it. Tell him what you need from him right now. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Embassy City Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text Embassy City, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.